Hi there, and welcome to Pause to Reflect, a podcast, or a dogcast if you will, all about, you guessed it, dogs. Hear inspiring stories of everyday people working with extraordinary dogs and how these dogs help their person in authentic and compelling ways. We will hear from the experts in their fields, including veterinarians, animal behavioralists, trainers, groomers, and so many more. We'll also be delving into the exciting world of competitive canine sports, some of which you may never have heard of. I'm your host, Barbara Ann, so grab your bowl of treats and get ready to have a reason to smile today. Because dogs. Welcome back to Pause to Reflect, and thank you for spending some time with us today. Here's a fun fact. Did you know that dogs have 300 million olfactory receptors in their noses compared to our 6 million? Their sense of smell is 10,000 to 100,000 times more acute than ours. And fun fact number two, dogs can move their nostrils independently of one another. It's like having two noses on one snout. And this helps them to locate the source of a particular smell. And this leads us to today's guest, Massachusetts State Trooper Pat Clayton. Pat began his career in the fire service when he was hired in July of 2007 with the Holyoke Fire Department. While working as a firefighter paramedic, he continued his education taking classes, which included basic fire investigation at the Massachusetts State Fire Academy. In 2013, Pat joined the Massachusetts State Police, and in 2016, he transferred to the Fire and Explosion Investigation Section, which is also known as the Fire Marshal's Office. Is that correct, Pat? That is correct. His main role has been investigating fires and explosive cases throughout the Commonwealth. He is a member of the International Association of Arson Investigators, which is both the international and the Massachusetts chapters. In addition to being a firefighter, Pat is also Accelerant Detection Canine Handler. This is the most badass part of this whole conversation. Of course. <laughs> In May of 2017, Pat was teamed up with a canine Bijou, who is currently one of two canines in the western part of the Commonwealth. Canine Bijou's job is to find ignitable liquids. Pat, thank you for coming on with us today. Anytime. So you have been a Mass State Trooper for, what, about nine years, correct? Yeah, it went by quick. So you went from being a firefighter to being involved in the fire services, but as a state trooper. Yeah, it was kind of an interesting... uh, kind of progression because I was in college for went to school in Worcester and I uh, finished graduate school and the fire department exam I took because I wanted to be on the state police and I figured it was good um, their civil service test Mm -hmm. clearly so I figured it was a good opportunity to to practice so to speak for the state police exam which isn't offered frequently and the civil service for the fire department I think is every two years so I took the test and I did well but I got in the fire department, um, and it was pro- it, it was a great great experience because it teaches you, you know, um, rank and file, mm-hmm. and you know, command structure, and you know, I had a supervisor, and you have an experience of putting a uniform on, and as a Holyoke firefighter, it was busy too, so I went to hundreds of structure fires as a firefighter, so I had that prior experience, and then um, state police, I took the exam, actually 
I took the exam, and around the same time, I took the lieutenant's exam for the whole fire department. I did well, and right around the time I was getting promoted to lieutenant in Ohio, I uh, basically got the call to go to the state police. And in 2013, I started the uh, State Police Academy. And uh, fast forward, um, I'm in a unit. And the unit, the opportunities don't just, they don't just present themselves all the time. You have to wait for people to retire or get promoted or whatever. And there was an opportunity to get into the uh, fire marshal's office, which kind of, when I was in the Hoya Fire Department, I was assigned to the flats, which is engine one, um, downtown, station one headquarters. And the fire investigators for the state police have an office there. And I say, they do, I do. So it's like uh, I worked in the same station that I now have an office in. But having said that, uh, you know, fast forward to get in, to get the opportunity to even to get in the fire marshal's office was like an application process. It's a whole nother job within the job. So you have to do, you know, you have to apply, they give you an interview, you got to pass tests, you know, it's not an easy thing. So to get on the state police was hard. And then to stay on the state police, because, you know, there's, there's probationary time, there's a year where, you know, it's, it's a, it's a big challenge for years. And then I had the opportunity to apply for this role and I was lucky enough to get it. But, um, and that, that, that leads me to my second question, which was how you found yourself working with an arson job. Like oh, how yeah. That even so that was kind of the thing happen? was, uh, it's all, you know, everything in life is timing, I guess. So I was lucky enough to get on the state police when I did, mm -hmm. which is 2013, 2014, I graduate in May, May 9th. And then, uh, I went to the road in Lee, like I said, everybody does. And there's, they have a posting. So it's like, think of like your bulletin board. There's openings that present themselves throughout the state. And you can go on a system that we have. It's like an internet system. And you can see when the jobs are posted. Now, the thing that was beneficial to me is that I had known the fire investigators because I worked in the same station as a Hoya firefighter as my boss did, you know? So I had already known who they were and had some sort of a rapport with them to begin with. But so the, the, the job was posted and I put my name in the hat and uh, I eventually got on, but not everybody in the state police uh, farmer's office has a canine either. So it just so happened that when I got into the office, one of the senior guys who was, he was like a 33 years on the job at the time and his canine was about, 10 or 11, her name was Nell, and she was coming to her, to both, actually, they were both coming to, like, their retirement, so they almost retired at the same day together, so um, the state trooper and his canine retired from the state police around the same time, but because the job means that they were going to be retiring soon, I got in the office, and I want to say six months later, they asked me if I'd be interested in taking a canine, and it was one of those, like, you know it's going to be a lot of work, but I talked to other canine handlers, and they're like, it's the best thing ever because it makes you better at your job. You have a partner that you go to work with all the time. You get a dog for work, which is unbelievable. It's the coolest job ever. Yeah. It's the coolest job ever. I mean, they gave me a pickup truck and a Labrador. Mm -hmm. So, and, I and mean. Th that was going to be my next question. Is to tell <laughs> us a little bit about her, but it sounds yeah. like the timing was perfect. The timing was perfect because not everybody – and especially going back into history, to get a canine for the fire marshal's office was like, 
a really big deal. And it still is a big deal, but right. it's, it's just the timing worked out in my favor because, again, not everybody with their life has, has the ability to take a canine. So when I got in the office, we had a guy, like I said, retiring. His dog was older. There was another guy in the office, which was, he was a younger guy, and he already had a canine, which was young. But they wanted to get another dog in line because when, when this dog's name was Nell, when she retired, they needed to fill that void. Right. And it takes a while. Of, I mean, you don't get a dog, and the next day you're like, oh, I'm ready to, like, work a fire scene of a giant arson case. Like, that takes a long time to get the confidence. And there's a lot to learn. I could talk forever about this, but when you get into the fire marshal's office, you are becoming a fire investigator. Fire and explosion investigation section is the name of the unit. So it's like you're not going to walk into a fire scene and learn how to do the job right out of the gate. It takes years and years of experience. Just like my dog and I right now are like a, a well-oiled machine, but we've been doing this for so long that you can see the difference in like, a handler like myself versus like somebody who just gets a dog today so it takes a while and um that's the that's the idea is when i first got in you have me and it was a perfect timing because my boss had done thousands thousands of fires in his career and i came in to the office and at the time it was myself my sergeant and uh actually i don't even know if he was a sergeant at the time but whatever so he had a ton of experience and then the other dog handler had experience and then the guy that was retiring with the with the dog that was retiring we all were able to work together and i was able to gain a lot of experience just from working with two seasoned dog handlers i mean that's a huge deal because i mean it's easy to become lazy but if you have like seasoned dog handlers that have done so my boss the sergeant he's had two canines in his career so he's already He's been a seasoned dog handler forever. And then this other guy, so we had Star was one dog, and he and that handler worked that dog in a ton of fire scenes. So I was able to, to ask him questions. And then Nell's handler was, you know, again, a guy who had been on the job 34, 35, whatever years, and the dog was 10. So I was able to really learn a lot at the same time. It was a great experience, but it was very, very challenging because um, there's just so much to it. Right. So tell us a little bit about her and the process of, of obtaining a puppy. So from what I understand, when there's a, maybe you use the breeder, I know some departments use rescue dogs, but when you specifically use a breeder, they're raised initially in a loving family home and then they get the basics done. And then from what I understand, they move on to a different area in their life where now they're starting to train for scenting and everything so was she specifically picked from her her litter because she showed some kind of a tendency to do this or some kind of was she so she been bred specifically for this line of work no the so she came from guiding eyes for the blind which is in new york okay so nearly all of the dogs on the state police well on the in, in my unit I, I can talk to my unit in the bomb squad they typically have all, uh, they all came from Guiding Eyes for the Blind, which is, they're like their own breeder. So they have puppy raisers. So when I call, her name's Bijou, if I call down to Guiding Eyes for the Blind and I say, my dog's Bijou, she's going to be seven, she was born May 5th, um, they could tell me the litter because every dog in that litter had the first letter B. 
every single one. Okay. So I, so Bijou, she was bred from the Guiding Eyes for the Blind to be a seen eye dog. So from, not say day one, but she was raised to be a seen eye dog. So think about all the, all the, you know, taking the Walmart, taking the busy, loud places, get them social. environmentally, social, you know, all that training that they do. And I wish I learned more about what they actually do for this training, but they really just, at the end of the day, I got the dog and I went into this other line of work. So I don't really know all the commands and stuff, but the long story short, these dogs are bred to be C&I dogs. Not every dog passes that test. They're not flunkies. I think we, we say that they chose a different line of work. And I say that kind of jokingly because, you know, they went through all this training and at the end of it, for her, she didn't like the harness. Like, in all her paperwork, she passed everything with flying colors. She just didn't like the little vest. Right. So The one with the handle on the back. I don't know. Again, I've never, I, I assume she just did, she has like body sensitivity, so she didn't like having this thing on her. Right. And it was taking her offline when she was walking, which is obviously was a big deal. Yes. So, um, but they went through all the tests. So, the, not the trainers or whoever you want to use their terminology for, but guiding eyes for the blind determined that she wasn't suitable to be, be a seeing eye dog however she's a great dog right. so um and they test you for all sorts of are they counter surfers are they going to beat off the counter all that stuff are they barkers all these things right. they don't want that kind of dog but does that necessarily take them away from being good at this job it depends so not every dog that's a flunky from guiding eyes for the blind is chosen to be a state police canine either because there's a lot of training not a lot of training but testing so when she was chosen um they had i know they had i think they had two canine trainers from my unit we have guys that are specifically trained uh canine trainers to go down they went down and got in for blind in new york and uh they looked at a bunch of dogs and not every dog was a good dog right. i mean just like everybody's experience with dogs so she is great because they test her for you know environmental stimulus. Is she gonna flip out with loud noises? Um, you know what's her demeanor? You know all that kind of stuff. Um, but the biggest thing is food drive. Food drive has to be off the charts when it comes to working in our unit because they're food reward dog. So and if the dog doesn't want to eat, this yeah. when we were setting up and she saw the uh, yeah the stuff that we did. Well, when she sees food. She knows it's like game time because the only way she eats for her entire career is if she works. So she it's the constant re-implantation and the association of an odor and food. Food meaning the reward. Right. But if that's the only way she eats forever, that's why she seeks out the odor like it's, it's feeding her. <laughs> so, I mean... It's kind of, it's a crazy thing, but again, back to what you first said about their nose, their nose is unbelievable, so. They we, say they're never wrong. They are never wrong when it comes to scenting. And, you know, I don't know never if they're never wrong. I think word. sometimes they're liars because, yeah, that's how you get, you, you, they're smart. So if the dog's like, hey, well, maybe I'll just sit over here real quick and see if they give me something. I'm going to hang out and pretend this is what I smell. Yeah, I but I will say that their nose is far better than any, I think it's actually proven that their their nose can be better than any lab or machine or anything like that because they mm -hmm. can test down to such a low 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 amount, and uh, you know, but that's why 
you can constantly train your dog so that you make sure you're you're re-imprinting. Re so this little vial is kerosene, and uh, I'll put a drop of um, it's at an eyedropper, so it's a it's a microliter of ignitable liquid I'll put out, and she's like a beacon of light. She just go over and boom, that's it. So. So, she's an accelerant detection dog which I understand that they're trained to do to locate the residual sense of flammable substances and to, to expand upon that, the one that, the part that hasn't burned yet. So is that correct? So they lead you to the traces of the unburned fuel um, if it was... Yeah, so think about somebody that's gonna pour like a bunch of gasoline into whatever, and she's, she's able to pick up on trace amounts of that remaining ignitable liquid. So she can pick up on that odor or that scent. And I train her on 50% evaporated gasoline. Sometimes she'll go with 90% evaporated gasoline and change it. So there, um, there's very trace, trace amounts of that ignitable liquid left, and she's still able she to. Still pick that up. But that's why, I mean, the, the, so back to the training, we also do quarterly in-service where it's a three-day training that's put on by our canine trainers and they supervise that our dogs are fine what they should be fine in, in fire scenes and one day of the year we have a, the state chemist come out and actually put the odors out to make sure that our dogs are fine what they should be fine in and it's um this constant again reimprintation of the odor is um you know it's important because that's why you do it every day but to answer your question, yeah. So, I mean, I wouldn't articulate it in that fashion, but it's the, it's the same general idea where there's an ignitable liquid present, she's going to find it. And that's why we train on such small amounts. We also train on, like, like I'll put a gas can somewhere and make her find it, which is, think of it, her nose is so used to looking for trace amounts. Now you have that, like, five-gallon jug of gas in, in your face. And sometimes that's going to be overwhelming, but it's important because... Just because somebody pours five gallons of gasoline in a building, a lot of it might still be there. So she needs to get she needs to work on that big load just as much as the small load too. Because you don't need a lot of gasoline to start a fire, and some people pour like gallons on their cars. Well, they deserve more. I guess. Um, so you is it correct to say that you have to recertify yearly for this? Yep. You do. What does that entail? What does that well, that's kind of the same thing. So it's we have quarterly in service. Yep. Um, which is three days, which usually involves, geez, uh, all different sorts of evolutions. So the, the uh, canine trainer might have just like a crack climb where they'll find different odors or building searches, which is he'll put different odors in a fire scene and make sure your dog is, because one, she's able to um, differentiate between like burnt stuff and ignitable liquid. She's not looking for like burnt residual whatever. She's looking for actual ignitable liquid. Well, she's not really looking for it. She's looking for food, but we associate it with the <laughs> associate. But um, so in, so in a brief, so the unused fuel. The well, it's the it's the remaining ignitable liquid that's left. So she is is I deploy. I have a couple commands to see, and she she looks for, you know, the odor. But you have three days, and they're quarterly. So we go to different places all over the state. We have state police. Sometimes we're in. Quincy at the Boston Fire Academy doing a burn building where we'll be at fire scenes. We typically try to use recent fire scenes. So if I get called to a fire right now, house fire, whatever, 
we might use that fire scene as a training scene if it's okayed by the owner because it's hard to replicate that much burnt stuff. So, um, so you have different training scenarios where you might have clothes lined up. So we'll take like clothing, we might burn it a little bit or we'll just flake out, when I say flake out, we'll put out like a bunch of clothes and deploy the dog because I've had so many scenes where I actually needed to blow my dog on people's clothes because they were the arsonists that set the car on fire with the gallons of ignitable liquid. Well, when you pour gas all over the top of a car, you're going to get some on you. And she's imprinted in one microliter, so all it takes is a drop to get on your clothes, and then that puts you with the car you just set on fire. So I end up doing that all the time. So again, you have quarterly in service, they're three-day trainings, and then once a year, you actually get the actual state chemist to come out. And we have this thing called wheels, but it's basically four cans on two by fours at the end. So picture like, they call them wheels, but it's basically four cans in a circle on the ground. And you run your dog over those four um, gallon paint cans and they have an odor inside of them. And your dog's supposed to alert and then you call out the letter to what the can, but the state chemist is there to make sure that your dog's alerting to the right stuff. And they put distractors in there. They might put kitty litter know cat food dog food other burnt stuff i mean there's there's a lot to it so and then you get recertified at that point the state chemist recertifies you Mm -hmm. so that they can testify in court that your dog is imprinted on the correct you know they're alerting to the right ignitable liquid right because you're brought into court yeah yeah so, and that's why, you know, every, tra- every day's training log is documented. Um, there's a lot of documentation involved just because of, uh, you know, every certificate we've ever received. Um, you know, the graduation from the Canine Academy and the constant, uh, you know, the training, the canine handlers checking off that we're actually finding what we're supposed to find. Right. So, sh- since she's an arson dog, is how is that different from a bomb sniffing dog? Is that something that they can cross train in, or they normally just keep things like well, that separate? Well, no, you, 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 you definitely keep it separate because, and I'll give you one example. Well, for one, in I can't say every bomb dog because there's like there's vaporwave dogs and there's different sort of like at Logan they have different types of trained dogs, but for the most part, um, a bomb dog and a dog like mine are similar, but they're imprinted on different odor. So my dog is imprinted on heavy petroleum distillate, which is diesel fuel. She's looking for the diesel. A bomb dog would be looking for the ampo or the ammonium, whatever they're imprinted on. They're not looking for the fuel oil. They're imprinted on the explosive. That makes sense. It does. It does. So they look for like, um, like black powder and things like that. Whereas my dog looks for six classifications of ignitable liquid. Those six classifications of ignitable liquids that I train my dog on, she safely could find, she could find any ignitable liquid. You're a fire investigator first. She's just the furry tool in the toolbox. She's the man. So she is, she's an asset and she's a partner, but she's not gonna help me determine where the fire started. That's, that's on me. So if I get to a scene, if she gets into an actual odor because I've had her so long, I can see her behavior change because she got into odor. 
Whereas if she's just over there and she's sniffing around and she leaves, I know that there's nothing there. You know what I mean? So it's like you get used to watching your dog and work, watching her work, and that's how you get better. So um, that that brings me to the question of the moment that you realize that without a doubt that you two weren't a team, that you weren't really meant to be. When did you like find that it just clicked? This is my first like real real dog. And um, that was a big deal because, so the canine sergeant, the guy in charge of the canine training program and everything, he had asked, do you want a dog? And I was like, yeah. And I figured it'd be like some heads up. I didn't have a kennel or anything. So, and I, I remember going to lunch um, with some of the guys from the office and I get a text, well, on our way back from New York. And I go, what? And I had a picture of my dog. I still have it, of, of the picture from her at Guiding Us for the Blind. And I go, uh, I don't have anything. And they're like, well, you have about two hours to go get it. So I immediately went to Petco and bought a whole bunch of stuff, dog toys and everything. And um, fast forward, bring her home. Again, my first dog. So I left her downstairs and, you know, separation anxiety is a real thing. Yeah. And she was, <laughs> uh, she was... Not only, well, we hadn't bonded yet, so it wasn't like she was, she was just nerved up. Imagine just all of a sudden you're, you're in a different state, different people, different house, different world. And, um, it took a while to kind of even that out. But I mean, once you start training, you quickly bond. And she picked up on, it took like three seconds to imprint odors. I mean, it's wild how fast they can pick up on that, on that, but it was, um, the constant retraining and, and working your dog and developing that bond. So it didn't happen like immediately overnight, but it was great when you go into your first, like I went to my first call with the dog and I was like, wow, that's awesome. You know, it was like, like a success and, you know, it was a good result. And it, it was, it's very rewarding. It can be frustrating, but yeah. But I think it, it, I can't like pinpoint like an exact like time, but all of a sudden she was like, you know, where she's right now. She's on my feet, you know, going around. And uh, it's a good thing. How old was she when you, when she was brought to your home? 18 months. She had already been through all this crazy, rigorous training. That when I came, when she came to me, I was like, here's your dog. I didn't have like, this is what they trained on. Because it was like, bond your, with your dog for a week or two. And then you're going to be in canine training. And it was like, it was a lot about three months every day have you ever found yourself or did you becoming overwhelmed or unfocused on the job I mean just during a fire scene yeah you get called to a scene and, and for whatever reason it's just not happening that day uh, no I mean I can get frustrated because you know you're working a scene and you kind of know what you're doing and you could be a, but she's a, I mean I could see generally sometimes like she's not working the greatest maybe she's having an off day but I usually just give her a break you know as long as the biggest thing I always say don't be mad at your dog your dog is just she's being a dog Mm -hmm. yeah so she's uh she's trying her hardest and sometimes it's it you know maybe it's 95 degrees and humid out I mean there's there's so many things and that was kind of like it took a while to learn that and it took a while but it was like you know you realize your dog's not working that well one day and you're What is the most common question that people ask you when they find out what you want to do for your dog? Like, is there something, you know? 
Well, honestly, I try to not tell people uh, I work for state police because they'll be like, you know, that one time I got stopped. <laughs> and I'm like, really? Hey, I but, got this ticket. You, you know, like, I haven't heard out. that one before. Or uh, <laughs> he did it. Or put cuffs on her. I'm like, whatever. But for the most part, when they find out it's, I guess I've been so busy. Sounds like the, like the weirdest response, but it's like I've been so busy since I've been on this job. I really haven't sat back to really appreciate it that much because it's always like you're going from one thing to another. So we have a new dog, Tamer, on in the West team now. But for a year and a half, I, she she and I were the only canine team in Western Mass. So which when you is, say Western Mass, what is which that is mean? like the Quabbin left. So I mean that's Athol to Williamstown and Sheffield to Holland. It's a gigantic it's area. A big and, you know, we did, I think I looked at my cases, and I, I could be wrong, but it was like, a, I pulled like 120, 130 cases myself in a year. And it was, you know, going to canine calls, going to Springfield to assist them, you know, helping out, going, getting arson cases, like getting good arrests. But it was a busy, busy year. Um, and sometimes you forget about how cool the job is because it's like you can't really sit back. And, I, you know, I finished up a fire science degree kind of before then, and it was just, it was, it's, a, it's a busy thing. But I think for the most part, people are just always like, wow, that's pretty cool. It is know. cool. It's, it's, I honestly I'm like, think it's a badass job. And you I'm walk like, in. oh, I guess it is. You know, I'm like, I don't know. Have you found that you've lost some sense of self? I know as parents, we're so-and-so's mom or something. And when you walk into a scene, they don't say, oh, hey, here's Pat. Pat's here. Yay, we can figure this out. They go, oh. The dog I know. Is here. They, well, <laughs> I always get that. They're like, "Where's your better half? Or where's the good-looking one?" And I'm yeah. like, "Oh, thanks." What has most impacted you? She's not just like my dog. Like she's like my partner, and sometimes like you know I end up talking to my dog because I'm driving around and she's in the back seat, and I'm <laughs> like, "Oh, well, that was kind of a disaster, huh, Bees? You're like, "Hey, we're going with Lulu now," and she's just kind of sitting there in the back seat, just looking at me like, "Oh, I'm ready to go," and I'm like, "It's just kind of it's something that." I guess the dog people are like, oh yeah, I can see the need, but it's like, she goes to me everywhere. So, and it goes back to the bond is, is I have to train her to, so she can eat. It goes like the basics of that, where when we go on vacation, like I go to Falmouth run a road race, I'll bring my dog. Well, that means I have to bring my training stuff too and work her every day. So it's, uh, you know, it's, yeah, but don't think if you're hung over when you wake up one day, you still gotta work oh, your dog. Yeah. I mean, there's no days off because if there's a day off, she doesn't eat. So it's um, there's a lot there's a lot to it, and I think that's why it always kind of facilitates that that bond. Because and and again, it sounds like it's just work, 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 work. No, it it, it you know she's a pet ninety percent of the time. You know when she's you know she's just hanging out underneath us now, but when she's working, she expects to. Fed, you know, but when she's working, she's working hard, and um, you know it's a good thing. But it, it is funny because I get that all. You know, I, I can go anywhere in the state, and people that know me from firefighters or whatever. Because unfortunately, it's not unfortunately, but I go to a lot of fire scenes, and I meet so many people, and I don't remember half of them. But people know me because of the dog, or they know the truck, or whatever, and um, they're like, oh, they always remember the dog. Everybody always remembers. Everybody that's seen the dog, they remember the dog. Yep. They're like, oh, where's your dog? And I'm like, I don't know. Where you are, but, I mean, she's in the truck. 
Um, <laughs> you are. Why are you so like that's kind of, uh, you know, because I, I mean I work for the state police, but I haven't had my uniform on really in probably two three years. What what is the the lifespan of a Kurchev? Not current officer Jones, but how long? Uh, I don't want to say how long she is because she's it all depends. Not in profession, but it all depends. I mean, like so they typically retire at you know nine ten ish, and it's all depending on the dog. And uh, you know they're dogs just like anybody else's dog. So you know some dogs get ailments and you know unfortunately that happens. And um, you know they're in they're in dirty seas too, which I don't know right. if that helps. But the uh, it's hard to say because some dogs like some guys have left the office and they're able to, you know they can dig out because they have that bond and then other guys kind of live up in Deerfield. This is years before I got in here. Like I never worked with them, but this dog lived till she was like 16 or something. Yeah. I mean, that's a full good life for a lab, I would think. So, you know, it all it all depends on the dog, and I choose not to even think about it because you know you never know. You don't need to go there. No. Yeah, you just don't know. With that, we'll go and compare her. She's got cameras. Um, Jeez, what's do you think that they're going to use more and more dogs? based on their success, whether it's arson, whether it's sniffing. Uh, dogs seem to be the up-and-coming thing, even though they've been fabulous in selling them. Well, I think it depends. Them. And uh, so my personal feeling is that dogs, well, one, they're only as good as their, you know, their handler and the team and everything like that. I wish everybody but could say that again for the people in the back. Oh, my goodness. But they're also need to work. So when I when I was working, like as busy as I was, my dog was exceptional. Like I was like, dude, get to work. And she'd go, doo 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 doo, walk around, do the whole scene for me, like basically. And and again, I'm watching her and I make sure we don't miss anything. We're doing it the right way. But when you go to a scene three, when you go to a fire scene three times a week, your dog's gonna be better than if you don't go to scenes ever. So I think if you saturate the area with dogs, it's probably almost not a good thing because they need to go to fire scenes. They need to get experience. So I think you have this like this happy medium where you don't you don't like smoke your guys out because you only have one dog in the area or whatever because that that's a lot. But I wouldn't want everybody in my in my team to have a dog either because there's not enough work to go around for that. But it's like I think. Um, you know, dogs need to still be going to do the work. Because me training and putting drops out and doing that, which I have to do every day, doesn't replicate doing actual fire scenes when it's for real. You know, I've had guys, um, you know, guys set a car on fire, run them through a fire scene, go in there, deploying the dog on the guy, deploying the dog on the guy's clothes, mm-hmm. getting alerts, going to the car, putting the dog in the car, collecting alerts, getting samples, getting good cases. Well, if if we had if we had everybody had a dog, why would anybody want to go there? You know, and then we've had all sorts of crazy scenes. I could tell you stories and stories and stories of like wild, awesome canine callouts. We had a scene in uh, in Berkshires. It was like a six-hour canine deployment because she had twenty-plus alerts on the first floor alone. So by the time we collect samples and then I put them in paint cans because you need to keep the odor. So in order to collect evidence, you need to keep the odor in a sealed container. 
So you have a gallon can, or whatever you're using, paint can, probably Greek quart or gallon, it's airtight. So by the time you collect that, say for example, the rag, the trailer that was used, which is a soaked, uh, nitable liquid soaked, whatever, in this case it was like a rope or a rag or whatever, or a t-shirt, I need it, first she locates it, she, she alerts, which is a passive alert, she, she goes up, she basically sits and then uses her nose and points. So she doesn't scratch at it or she doesn't uh, destroy the evidence, but she sits and points her nose exactly where the odor is. I collect that, I have to put in the can and seal it up. But before I do that, I actually put the can outside and hide it and make sure that she re... I want to make sure I collected the sample correctly. And um, so it takes a long time. And I mean, that's like, what, six or seven hours, just that one scene because there's so many alerts. But it goes back to what I said, when, when, I alert, when she's working, she can't go on that same kitchen fire scene or that same uh, living room scene and just alert to the scene. She's able, we do this thing called pinpoint accuracy, where I have to, I should be able to put a quarter on where she's alerting. So like, think of like the top of her nose is like your, like your fingernail. She's able to put her nose exactly on top of this thing right here. And I should be able to put a coin on it because fire scenes, I mean, imagine what a fire scene looks like. You have like, you know, could be the third floor is onto the first floor now and there's stuff all over the place and, you know, there's a lot to it, but I can't just collect the fire scene and ship it to the lab. Like I have to be able to collect basically, you know, think of what you can put in. Yeah. But that's why we have the dog because she's able to pinpoint, you know, accurately pinpoint exactly where the odor is, where the odor is located and differentiate between, you know, the burnt couch and all this to like, here's where the gasoline is in the scene. So it's a big deal. <laughs> well, <laughs> amongst other things, right? We just agreed. So, well, yeah. Thank you, Pat. I appreciate your time. Oh, no worries. And this was extremely educational for hopefully yeah. you listening to the second and third one. My little partner. Pat